Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another edition of Believe in Lions. That's B-L-E-V in Lions right here on the Believe Network. And it's a very special episode. And of course, every episode is special because we have the all-pro safety Glover Quinn joining us. But it's even more special because we're going to get to learn a little bit about the game, a little bit about the X's and O's from a guy who led the NFL in interceptions. Who better to break down the X's and O's with some chalk talk? It's the one. It's the only. It's Glover Quinn. Yes, sir. What's up, man? Not too much. Just getting ready for the draft. Just enjoying a little bit. It's been a little bit of a lull, and it's kind of been nice because you had mentioned how it gets to the offseason and you're ready to rest. And it's not that I've been resting, but it's been like no Detroit Lions news has been coming in since that first wave of free agency. We don't have to sit around and just check Twitter. Is Aaron Rodgers coming? It's nice to not have to worry. It's nice to just enjoy life and not have the the rumors of the day weighing on the back of your mind. Right, man. It's, it's all needed. It's very much needed. Um you know, you work and put a lot of time into the season and trying to, you know, put these stories out. But you also need some time to just kind of get away for a little bit and kind of get a little relaxation, a little recharge. And um, yeah, you need that. You need that downtime, that dead time. The Lions made some some decent moves in free agency early. Um, they brought my guy Marvin back. You know, so that's uh, probably their DJ Chark replacement. Um, so it was, it's been good. They've had a good off season so far and now it's just kind of like waiting around for the draft. So, I mean, you got three more weeks of, uh, resting because once the draft get here, now you got the draft storylines, then you went to OTAs and you went to mini camps and then you get a quick little summer break and then it's gearing up for training camp. So you got to take those little breaks when you can, man. It's the calm before the storm, it truly feels like. And so as a former NFL player, what would you be doing right now? Because you're allowed in the facility, but you can't work out with your strength and conditioning coach, correct? It's all self-guided workouts? Oh, I don't really know Um, because I didn't live in Detroit. So at this time, time, I was back in Houston just working out. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I'd be working out. Um, You're gearing up because – you know, off season is going to be starting here. You know, when I was playing, it would be starting within the next week or two. We always started kind of like mid-April, around right after Easter or something like that. Um, if you had a new coach, you started like a week or so early before two weeks, probably two weeks before everybody else because you had a new coach. Um, but most of the time you start around mid-April, somewhere in there. So right now you're kind of doing enough for the, for the ones that – You know, the veteran guys, you know, they're probably just kind of halfway getting back into it, moving around a little bit because they understand that, you know, the offseason is where early in the offseason is where I kind of recharge, you know, stay active some, but I got to get my body time to recharge. And now they're working out, but they're not in tip-top shape right now because they they just need to be able to do enough when they get back to the offseason with the team that they don't pass out in the first couple workouts, you know what I'm saying? So they're doing some stuff. They're working, um, getting themselves ready to go. The young guys are probably working really hard trying to come back 
at a super high level, be, you know, very impressionable when they get back. But some of the older guys are probably just doing enough to get back in shape, get their body back going. But, I mean, you know, you probably they probably took, you know, the Super Bowl was, what, mid-February? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they, they probably took, you know, a month. You know, probably mid-March is like, all right, let me start back kind of, you know what I'm saying, working out, working out. And so, you know, they're probably three or four weeks in, some of them probably six weeks in to like some decent work, but it's not summer training yet. It's not gearing up for training camp. You're just doing some stuff, fine-tuning some things, getting yourself back going and knowing that you're going to go into the off-season program with your team where you're going to be lifting and running and, and really going and getting getting going and, you know, getting yourself ready for OTAs. And then once that's over with, you get into the summer aspect of it. And that's when you really get into the high level, you know, conditioning and, and all your all that stuff getting ready for training camp. At least that's how it was for me. Bet online remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at BetOnline, updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through to the final four and championship game. BetOnline is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your bonus. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your bonus. Bet online where the game starts. And so one, you were off before you get into your real workouts. You, it wasn't like you were just sitting on the couch, right? You're still training, just not the high intensity. It's not a complete do nothing, right? For that, Which it all depends. It all, it all depends. You know, okay. some guys, it's a complete do nothing. Like early in my career, it was a complete do nothing. I didn't really know, but it was like, man, I, I need a break. Because when you know when you play and put that much effort into it and time, sometimes your body needs just about two or three weeks of just nothing. Like your body kind of shuts down. You need like it needs to rest. It needs like to recover. And so it's a probably a good two or three weeks of nothing. And then you kind of start back like you know hitting the treadmill, just kind of getting active. A lot of guys will go play basketball. They just kind of get back moving again. And I mean, if you're in good shape i mean you ain't gonna just be bad out of shape in two or three weeks you know what i'm saying you i mean you won't be in tip top again but you can get back there pretty quickly so sometimes guys take time off and then they come back and so yeah could be especially early in the off season it's probably a few few weeks of nothing Interesting. And it does make sense, though, because sometimes you, you truly physically plateau. You get to a point where you've worked so hard, you can't get any better physically because your body needs that time to rest, to recover. And so is there any film watching in that time? Is there any X's and O's or is it, again, just complete, just nothing? <laughs> I guess I can't speak for everybody else, but for me, <laughs> nah, I ain't watching no film. What am, no. I'm, I'm, I'm needing a mental break because I put it, I put so much into the season. You know what I'm saying? I tried to be locked in for 16 games, 17 weeks. You know, if we made play like I was trying to be locked in and gave it everything that I had. So by the time the end of the season was came, like I just needed a mental break. So I, I like what was I watching film on right after the season? Like, nah, bro. 
I'm and, that's- and like sometimes you know it it all depends right so like I remember a few years where we did make the playoffs and you know we got put out the first round when I was in Detroit and the second round when I was in Houston and I may continue to work out because sometimes you don't really want to stop cold turkey right so I may will continue to like work out tapering myself down all the way up until like the Super Bowl right and then once the Super Bowl got here it was like all right now the season's over with those guys aren't playing either so then you take you a quick two-week break or something like that but you've already been kind of tapering it down right you've been working out a little bit but not like a lot a lot but you've been active you know throughout the rest of the playoffs and then once that's over with then you take you a two-week vacation and get away and do something yada 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 and then once you get back you, you probably early march you know what I'm saying? And you can start working your way back into, you know, working out a little bit, a couple of days a week. You know, they give you about a month, month and a half before it's time to report back for OTAs. Interesting. And see, that makes more like I kind of expected you'd take a break from the film side of the mental side. And it's it's interesting to hear just the different styles of decreasing your load straight after the season, the cold turkey aspect of not working out. It's all very interesting and it's all very high level when you are at that level of an athlete it's it's the intensity is just there for so long you deserve that break and then all of a sudden it's time to get back into it and then it's time to start watching film and when you have a new coach versus an old coach is there any difference in terms of getting the playbook getting the film how does that all work um i mean if you got a new coach you know like I said, and I don't really know how they do it nowadays. I know early in my career, we used to have actual playbooks, right? Big, mm-hmm. big playbooks. And so we used to always have to turn those playbooks in. So then when you showed up in the offseason, they give you a playbook back. So during early in the offseason, you don't have a playbook hmm. before, like right now. They have them because, you know, things happen in the offseason, right? you let these guys walk away with these playbooks and then you release them or, you know, they get traded or this and this and that. Now this person is going to another team, but they got your playbook. So they make you turn those playbooks in. (laughs) And then when you come back, they give you playbooks again. Um, But then, you know, and I got in Detroit, they kind of went away from like the big play books and went more to like iPads and you know surfaces and stuff like that um and then yeah they're not giving you those until you show up you know what I'm saying so right now I mean unless they have some other device or some other system I don't even know if they are watching film like I don't know where they will watch the film at other than you know what i'm saying like when you mm-hmm. got your ipads and your surfaces stuff with the playbooks stuff on it yes you have access to that type of film right but i don't think they have those right now until not until they get back so it's kind of like a little break very interesting very very interesting and so when they do come back it's time to get everything up to speed and that's kind of what we're looking at today is for the fans, for some of the people in the audience, because you have a knack for breaking down 
the X's and O's. I mean, you had a whole show on it, the DB room. It was quite successful. And you really helped people understand the game of football because a lot of the time you just hear commentary too high safety. Well, what's that nickel defense? What's that? So we've put it together where we're actually going to be able to break down some of the X's and O's. And the first thing I wanted to ask you about is base versus nickel. I know the difference, but for those out there that don't, what is a nickel defense versus base? And why is there so much more nickel defense and dime? We can go to dime too, I suppose compared to what it used to be 20 years ago in the NFL? Well, you know, your base defense is where you're going to have, you know, four or three D linemen, depending on what you're running, right? So when you say a base defense, you're either a 4-3 team, which means that you have, as you see on the screen, you have four defensive linemen and you have three linebackers. If you are a 3-4 team, then you have three defensive linemen and four linebackers, right? So that's your base defense. Uh, once you get into like your nickel packages and your dime packages, now you still going to have your 4D linemen. But instead of having three linebackers, you're only going to have two and you're going to bring in an extra defensive back or you're going to bring in two extra defensive backs. Right. So when you look at the nickel package, the reason why you're seeing so much nickel package nowadays is because a lot of these offenses are getting away from fullbacks and traditional two running back sets right so when you got your base defense they're really in a traditional set either 21 personnel which means you got two running backs and one tight end or 12 personnel where you got one running back and one tight end so the formation that you see on the screen right now when you slide so if you, if you leave it like that so you see the h that's the halfback the elf is a fullback, but he's lined up in the slot. So we'll keep him as a fullback just because he's an elf, right? So in this formation right here, you got technically 21 personnel, right? So you got the H back, that's the halfback, and then you got the fullback. So that's those are your two backs. So if you move that fullback to the other side of the quarterback, all right, now you got two backs in the backfield, even the shotgun formation. And you got a tight end, right? So when you play against teams like the 49ers, where they got like a George Kittle and a Juszczyk at the fullback, right? You can come out in a formation like this and the team stay all there in 21 personnel, right? So they put base defense out there, but then all of a sudden you flex out the fullback and now he's a slot wide receiver. Now you have one of your linebackers trying to cover a running back or a tight end or whoever in that position because they can easily put use check in the tight end role to be a blocker and put George Kittle in the slot. And now you got a slot looking 11 personnel formation, but they got linebackers out there. So that's why they go nickel defense. So now that guy that's covering that slot receiver is a defensive back. So if they try to put a tight end there, they got a defensive back guarding him. Most of the time, if you're just looking at this formation, it'll look more like 11 personnel, meaning you got three wide receivers, right? Because you only got one running back and one tight end. When you hear personnel, 21, 12, 11, 10. The first number you hear is the amount of running backs on the field. The second number you hear is the amount of tight ends on the field. So in this situation right here, we're going to make that elf 
a flanker and put him as a wide receiver, right? So now you got the H, who is the halfback. So you got one back and you got the Y, who is a tight end. So you got one tight end. So that would be 11 personnel. There's only five eligible guys, right? You have five eligible guys. So if you got one running back, one tight end, that's two. That means you got three other eligible guys, and those are three wide receivers, right? So that's called 11 personnel. If you take that elf and make him a of a fullback, okay, like I said earlier, now you got a halfback that's one running back, and you got a fullback that's two. So now you got two running backs and one tight end. So now that's 21 personnel with five eligibles. Now you only got two wide receivers. So that's just basic stuff. So when you're in base like this, you want your big guys out there. You want your, your, your linebackers to stop the run. When they bring in the extra wide receiver to go 11 personnel, or you play against those teams like Kansas City where they use their, their tight end like another wide receiver, then you're going to get a lot of the nickel personnel so that you can have a cover guy that can cover uh, that guy in the slot. And that's why your nickel cornerback has to be a pretty good athlete because he still has to get into the run game like a linebacker, but he has to be able to cover wide receivers that are real shifty. He has to be able to cover tight ends that are big, and he has to be able to get into the run game. So the nickel position is a very valuable position on a lot of teams because you're getting a lot of burn and you are – you know, very important into the, the whole scheme of things. And so if you went dime, you would just, where well, you see the W at, the W stands for wheel linebacker, you would just take him off and make it, it'll be another defensive back. So it'll be, you can put a D there for dime. And that's just another, you know, depending on how they want to do it, they can make it a safety or they can make it a cornerback depending on, you know, who they're playing and how they're doing it. If a team is going a bunch of 10 personnel, so like I said, the first number is the running back, the second number is the tight end. So if they go 10, that means they got one running back, no tight ends. And if there's five eligible, then that means what? The other four guys are wide receivers. So that dime is probably a cornerback. If you're playing against a team like Kansas City, and now they're giving you this look right here, you may go dime. But your dime may be a safety because you want him matched up on Travis Kelsey. And then you want a nickel matched up on, you know, Juju or somebody well, used to be in, in the slot. Right. So the dime kind of just depends on who that fourth guy is. Is he a linebacker? Do you want him to be like a safety type or do you want him to be a corner type? But he's in there to cover somebody. And now when you look at it, you only have four defensive linemen and one linebacker. Right. So if you look at that, that's five guys, what you call inside the box. Right. You got five guys in the box. Well, if you look at the O-line, they got five guys. Right. They got five guys and they got one running back. So technically they got a hat for a hat. Right. They got five guys in the block. You're five guys, but they got a guy running the ball as well. Right. So a lot of times teams will try to go to something like this if they feel like you're going to stay too high. That's what made Green Bay uh, so successful. That's what can make Patrick Mahomes so successful because those guys can throw the ball so well that if they start giving you spread looks like this, you still want to keep your two safeties high so they can protect you on the deep ball passes. 
So then that opens up a Claude Eros Hilaire. That opens up, you know, Eddie Lacy back in the day. That opens up Aaron Jones, some of those guys that play, you know, Joseph Adai back in the days with Indianapolis and guys like that where you really had to respect that run, that the passing game. So you you were willing to go with a light box, right? To stop that, you know, you would roll down a safety, right? You roll down one of those safeties, and now you technically have six guys in the box, and they only got five blockers. So now you have one guy that's called the free hitter. The problem with this is now you can either only go man-free right because you only got one deep safety so now you can either only go man to man cover one or you go cover three so then when you're playing against these great quarterbacks that's where they're going to hurt you at because they know we only got one free safety so we're going to have one-on-one matchups on the outside because they're either going to be a man to man which is going to be cover one or they're going to be in cover three so now they're not going to hand it off to the running back because they don't have numbers. It's six against five, right? So they're going to have an unblocked defender every single time. So they're not going to hand it off. They're going to check to the run. When that safety move back, they're not going to throw it because now they got five on five with an extra runner. So now they're just going to hand it off and they're going to get seven, eight, ten yards of carry unless somebody on the defensive line make a play. Great, great breakdown. And it's so interesting to hear you talk about the importance of the nickel defender in a defense like this, because you spent quite a bit of time as the nickel back with the Houston Texans. Not so much with the Detroit. You're more of a safety with Detroit, uh, correct? Right. And so the nickel defender here, they're essentially another linebacker when Mm -hmm. they motion in. But then when it goes to spread, you have to have the full coverage ability of a defensive back because you could be up against Julian Edelman in that mm-hmm. slot. And, and this is what's so difficult. So if you take that E, right, that's, that's next to the, the nickel, move him to the outside. Move him out a little bit because he's the edge of the defense, right? Okay, boom. You take that T right there. He's You can leave him right there, right there. Okay. And now, if you look at this defense right here, okay, if you say, starting with the center, the center is one with the X, the square with the X, right? So the gaps in between the center, the one that's next to his left, would be the guard, the the, the two guys right next to the center. Those are two guards, right and left guard. And then the two end guys are right and left tackle, right? So the gap in between the center and the guard is called the A gap defensively between a guard and a tackle is the B gap and between the tackle and generally a tight end is a C gap. And then the outside gap is the D gap, right? So that defensive end is responsible for the edge, right? So if you move that defensive end up to the outside of that, not that one, the other one, move him up to the outside. Just move him upside. Just move him up. Like, like they snapped the ball. So boom, he's there, right? If that tight end or that tackle blocks out, move the tackle to block him out. Now, look what you have. You see that big hole right there? So who you think is responsible for that hole? It would have to be the nickelback, wouldn't it? The nickelback. The, the middle linebacker's gap is here on the back well, side. See, the way they're going to the do it, the way they're going to block it, that guard right there, Yeah, he's going to go up and they call bump that tackle. 
So he's going to hit him to give the center time to get over and get an angle on him. And then that guard is going to work up to the Mike linebacker. Boom, he got the Mike linebacker cut off. So now if he hand the ball off to the running back, the only person that can make that tackle is the nickel. Interesting. So then what happens is when they run the bubble screen and they the, the RPOs and stuff like that, right, where the quarterback is faking it to that running back, the nickel has to make a decision. See, when you walk that safety down and you got another run defender in there, now is no issue because the nickel don't have to leave. The safety fills that gap, and he's the unblocked guy. That's why I say you got six guys. He's the unblocked guy. He just runs in and make the tackle. But if you stay too high, the nickel has to fill that gap. So you can put the nickel in a real bad run-pass conflict because if you hand the ball off, now that nickel got to come make that tackle. If you fake it, hand it off, and the nickel comes in to try to make that tackle because that's a good running back, that's Derrick Henry. He don't want to get him downhill. That makes the tackle tough. He gets a head start and try to come fill that gap. The quarterback pulls it. Who's covering that wide receiver right there? He no. throw the bubble screen. He throw the bubble route to that wide receiver. The X goes and block the corner. The nickel is outflanked. The next guy is the safety. And then he's one on one in the he's alley. One on one in open space with a good wide receiver. So that's the conflict that you have when you know you get situations like that. Those that's what made those guys so difficult to defend the 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 Aaron Rodgers in his primes and the Patrick Mahomes and the you know the Peyton Mannings and the guys that you felt like you needed to keep two safeties uh deep to stop them from throwing for 400 yards. And so how do you make those decisions? Because it feels as though, and I could be wrong, with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, or a mobile quarterback like Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen, the defense is always going to be at that disadvantage. You're always seeding ground somewhere. Either you're giving up the deep play by going with one safety, or you're giving up run support by keeping two safeties deep. So is is am I right here? Do you truly have to make a decision? Hey, we're we're weak well, somewhere. Let's well, yes, you're gonna be weak somewhere. That's why you have to disguise things. That's why you have different calls inside of you know your plays. That's why you have scouting reports to understand what teams are trying to do against you. Because the same way that I said, if you move that end back up and that tackle is blocking out, right? Well, you can just make a call as a nickel to tell that defensive end, hey, they're expecting you to go outside. Don't go outside this time. You fill the C-gap. So now the tackle kicks to block him out, but the defensive end goes to the inside. So once he goes to the inside, now it makes the running back bounce. So now the nickel doesn't have as far to go. He can get in there and make that tackle. But if he keeps bouncing, now, the, instead of the running back going north and south, he's going east and west. He bounced outside the end. He bounced outside the nickel. That gives the safety time to come down. That gives the mic more space to get over the top of that guard because he's not really working downhill. He's working over the top. 
And so now he ran 20 yards, but he only gained three because he kept bouncing outside and outside and outside and somebody comes up and make a play. So there's different things that you can do. That's why you have the chess matches of the different calls that you make. Hey, this is what they're expecting. Hey, you can do, you can, you can run, you can show a too high look, right? You can show a too high look. And then at the snap of the ball, the nickel can blitz and the safety roll down, right? And now you get an extra defender that's coming in, and then you're getting a safety that's coming down, right? And then that safety, depending on who that slot wide receiver is, that's how you kind of play it. You can't move until the nickel moves, because if you move, now they know you're coming down. So if they know you're coming down, they know the nickel is coming, so they're going to they're gonna pick it up. But you can't move until the nickel moves. Well, if you know that's Tyreek Hill in the slot, now – Depending on the the scouting report, you may say, "Well, they never throw the bubble to Tyreek Hill, so I don't have to worry about coming down on the bubble. I got to protect myself deep." If you plan against somebody that they throw the bubble to a lot, you got to say, "Okay, well, it don't do me any good to stay 15 yards deep because if they throw this bubble, I don't have a chance to tackle him in space like that." So that's where you play with your alignments. You kind of mix it up a little bit. You show different looks and things like that to kind of disguise what you're doing. Um, and that's what that's where you have the chess matches at. Well, and it's this is interesting too because it expands so much for regular listeners of the show. You hear Glover talk all the time. You want every snap to look the exact same on defense. Every single snap, whether it's the same position, whether it's the same foot forward, everything has to look the same because you're at this disadvantage that we've just shown, and so to take back some of that disadvantage, some of those numbers, you must instead play those mind games with the quarterbacks and make sure that they don't know where your weakness is. Mm-hmm. Cause they know, I mean, you know, when, when I'm watching film and, you know, for defensive guys, we do the same thing. Like for me as a safety, I'm trying to say, okay, who can I get a good run pass key from? Right. Which one of these old linemen is going to tell me that it's run and which one is going to tell me that it's passed. So you're sitting there watching in film, trying to figure out, okay, you know what? Every time it's run, this tackle is down in the stands. Every time it's passed, he's standing up ready to kick. And you just watch it over and over and over. And you just see it. Hey, every time it's run, this is what he do. Every time it's passed, this is what he do. And you just study it over and over and over and over until you feel very confident that that's my key. So then you tell your other guys, you tell your people, like, hey, I, I kind of found a key. Look at this Look at this guard. You know what I'm saying? When he's kicked in like this right here, it's been run. When he's kicked out like this, it's passed. And you look at it over and over and over and over and over. And so then when you get in the game, you kind of confirm it. First series, you're like, hey, man, it held up. The guard was kicked in. It was run. He was kicking out. It was passed every single time. So now you kind of know. So as a safety, as a defender – as a linebacker, you're watching those keys. You know, you might see a, a wide receiver. Hey, man, every time he come out the holder and he fixes his glove, they pass the ball. Every time he come out the holder and he don't touch his gloves, it's a run play. Cool. You kind of pick up on that. So then you get in the game, you're just watching him. He come out the holder, he fixing his gloves. Oh, man, here come a pass play. And they pass the ball. He come out the holder, he never touches gloves. They run the ball. Okay, now you got a now you got a clue. 
So you're looking for all types of little things to help give you some kind of clue as to what they're going to do. Well, on the same token, they're doing the same exact thing. They know, hey, every time he got his in, he got his if he got his right foot up or his outside foot up, he's pushing to the middle as a safety, right? So if you that free safety right there, you're playing on the right side of the defense, right? So if the elf is my right foot and the S is my left foot, if they see, hey, every time his elf foot is up, he pushes to the middle, right? He got his outside foot up so he can run to the middle. When he got his S foot up, he's going to the outside, so he's going to the half. So they playing two deep when he got his inside foot up. They playing one deep when he got his outside foot up. So now that's what the quarterbacks are looking at. They look at you. They see your right foot up. They know, okay, he got his outside foot up. He's probably pushing to the middle. They looking. Yep, this looked like some kind of road coverage. So now they know we're going to be in cover three or cover one. They see your outside foot. They see your inside foot up. They look. Yep, this kind of looks like a cover two look. Boom. Now they know you're in cover two or you're in cover four or some kind of two high look, right? So they're looking. You know, I was fortunate enough when I first started, when I was young in my career, that I was playing with the Texans. You know, Peyton Manning was playing with the Indianapolis Colts. And I was the nickel running. I was a nickel backer. And so I had to deal with Peyton twice a year. And he literally used to try to pick at me. Like he would look at me. I would, we, they would break the huddle and Peyton would look at me the entire time, just looking at me because I was a young guy. He could tell from if I was aligned a little farther out, probably was in a, in a cover four or in a cover three because I had to get hands on the slot. If I was lined a little far inside, it probably was some kind of cover two because now I don't have to jam the slot. So he know, hey, in cover two, he got to fill that gap. In cover four, he still got to fill that gap. But if he go and fill that gap, there's nobody to get hands on my slot wide receiver. So when I catch him in cover two, I'm going to give him what he want. When I catch him in cover four, I'm going to show him what he has to do. And then I'm going to hit it right behind him. So he getting in cover four. Now he's going to look at me. Oh, it's cover four. Now he's going to fake that to Joseph Adai, knowing I got to respect that B-gap. And then he's going to hit Austin Colley or, you know, T.Y. Hilton right behind you on a seam route because he know the safety is too deep, right? If he see you cheating inside, now he knows it's cover two. So now they just running the seams up the middle. They had, they play fake to get you to come up a little bit, and they just throwing the seams right behind you. So it was a it was a cat and mouse game every year, every twice a year with Peyton Manning, and that's where I learned, hey man, you gotta make everything look the same because if you make it look any different, the good quarterbacks are gonna see it. And especially because you enter, you mentioned just how small the difference can be—a yard, a yard and a half completely tips off the cover three versus cover two. And one final question I did want to ask you here. One that kind of bothers me. It's the mix between zone and man, because if we all of a sudden bring this wide receiver over here, we've now got three. We obviously have to adjust here. And on the backside, it's one wide receiver and one corner. So it's a zone, a zone defense. And we can adjust it after the fact, but but this essentially becomes man, does it not? Well, it all depends on what you're playing. Okay. 
It all depends because if you say this is, you say this is man, right? Yeah. You say this is man. So it all depends. It all depends on what kind of man the man you're playing, right? So if you're playing, if you're playing a two high man, we're gonna put the free safety back in the two high. So if you're playing a two high man, that means the nickel has to go over. The nickel has to go over, right? So now we're playing a two high man to man. Well, most of the time, if you're playing two high man to man, that corner on the backside, he's playing inside leverage and underneath because he knows he got safety help over the top, but he has zero help on the inside. So he has to protect his inside, force him to throw the ball to the, to the sideline, and he has to protect the underneath routes. If they throw it deep, you got a safety back there, right? So if you move the nickel back over and you say you're playing a stay cover one type of defense, right? You're playing a stay cover one. So now you got the safety roll down, right? So put put the put the F back over to that where the nickel's at. So the nickel carries the strength. So far as a defense, it's going to be strong right because the nickel is to the defensive right. So if you got a cover one, you're probably going to roll your safety down to the weak side, right, to the open side. So that's why the safety is rolled down away from nickel, right? Well, if we don't want to tip our hand because right now they don't know if that's zone, they don't know if it's man. It could be a zone where we're just rolling down cover three and we got the safety dropping down into the hook area, right? Playing like a middle linebacker. Or it could be cover one and the safety has the running back. They don't know. So if the F go in motion and we don't want them to know, now... Now, the nickel stays. So when the nickel stay, guess what they think? It must be zone because the nickel didn't run, right? Because most of the time, if the nickel runs, it's man to man. He goes with his man. The nickel doesn't run, so guess what they think? Oh, it's zone. Well, it's not zone because we got Quandre Diggs, who is an ex-nickel, playing that strong safety. So when that guy motions over, Quandre just walks out and he covers that guy man to man and the nickel just becomes the weak side defender just like the safety was. So now that corner on the backside can play outside leverage. Why can he play outside leverage? Because all his help is on the inside. He got a nickel safety basically right there in the slant window, in the curl window, in the dig window, any kind of route that that X receiver run to the inside, he should have the nickel guy right there because he's the free guy. If he run a deep post route, he got a free safety in the middle of the field. So now that corner want to play outside leverage and on top because he has inside help in the low area and he has inside help in the high area see how that worked and now we're playing man to man but to the defense i mean to the offense it could look like zone because the nickel didn't run and we got a safety that can cover we got durbin james we got a safety that can cover 
uh, inside wide receiver because now that safety just has to do the same thing. Get outside leverage. He got a Mike linebacker sitting right there next to him, right? He got a safety over the top. I got to protect the corner route. So he shades outside leverage. The guy comes up, he runs a corner route. He runs right to you. He runs a post. He runs to the safety. He runs anything across the middle. If you try to run all the way across the field, you got the nickel hanging out on the backside waiting for him. So we can get away with those matchups. And we don't have to give away what we're doing. But if you have a safety that can't cover, now the nickel has to run over. And then you rotate the safeties. The free safety walks down. And the strong safety just shifts to the middle. And so it all depends on who you have and what they're. It all depends on who you have, because you never want to put someone in a in a position that they can't do. You can't ask your non Derwin James type safety to cover Travis Kelsey. Right. So that's why when you have guys like a Tracy Walker and a Kirby Joseph, they're kind of the same body types. They can kind of do probably some of the same things. They can both play the free safety. They can both walk down and probably cover a slot. They both can get in the run game. So now we can do a lot of different things because you got a strong safety that can't play the deep middle. When that nickel comes over, that safety has to come down, but he got to come down to the opposite side because now you we, we lost our weak side guy. And if my free safety come down, now the strong safety is in the middle of the field, and he's definitely not a middle field guy, right? So in situations like that, what you what you have is go back to the beginning, put the put the and put the nickel back over. In situations like that, when you know your strong safety is not a cover guy, and you playing cover three, you'll go ahead and walk him down. You go ahead and walk him down. Now he's in the box. So now if the nickel goes over in motion, the safety just go to the other side. They just swap just like that. Boom. Boom. Just like that. But it also depends on who's the running back. Because if that running back is when you're playing teams that that has these different guys that they can put in certain situations, right? You have these Austin Ecklers, the receiving type of running back. So you have guys that you have the Christian McCaffrey's that you have to respect them out of the backfield. Well, now, hey, I need my safety to be on that running back. I don't want him matched up on my linebacker. So now that safety has to walk down and cover that line, that that running back. And so now he's on that side. Put him back over here by the H. So now that Mike got to step out and give that corner some love. Otherwise, that corner is on the island. And see, the Mike know, the Mike know, when you look at the gaps, he knows that the strong side A gap is going to be taken by the safety because you got the end on the outside. You got the end on the outside. Yep. You got the tackle in that gap right there. Tackle in that gap. So the only the the, the other tackle is in this gap right here. Boom. Yep. The end is on the outside. Boom. Yep. So now that safety has the strong side A gap. Boom. And then the mic has the weak side B gap. Boom. Just like that. And that's quite a predicament to put the mic in as a linebacker because you have to be able to get inside to the B here, but you also have to stay outside in case Michael Thomas is running a slant on you, correct? Yeah, but it's not it's not that difficult because that guy's still playing man-to-man coverage. Okay. It's, if you're in zone, yes, because that guy's not – he's playing man-to-man coverage, so – if Michael Thomas run a slant and you're going to see the three-step, you're going to see it, 
The corner's going to be on him. The free safety is right there. You know, yeah, he gets six yards, but it ain't the end of the world. Okay. It's it's living with some of the losses, correct? Mm-hmm. And then you can still do the same thing, right? He, that that mic could still give that end the same call that the nickel would have gave him to where the end go inside. Now the mic don't have to really move. He just getting to the edge. So he really can hang backside if if we know it's a guy, if it's a Calvin Johnson back there and we say, hey, we can't leave the corner inside like that. Boom, kick the end inside. So now you can literally stay right there. And that way you're covered either way. Right. But that's why it helps when you got linebackers that can cover because then I don't have to put a safety down there to cover Christian McCaffrey. My linebacker can cover him, and now my safeties can stay high, and I can roll my free safety down to the backside to give Calvin Johnson help. And the strong safety stay in the middle, and the linebackers can do what they do. That's why it pays to have those guys that are versatile, that can do multiple things. The Fred Warners at linebacker that can cover, they can tackle, they give your defense flexibility as opposed to guys that they can tackle, but they can't cover. So when these offenses start giving you these spread type of looks, it really puts you in a situation where you kind of got to tip your hand because you got to protect certain guys. And you would much rather, you know, make sure everybody is covered up than to leave somebody uncovered or leave somebody in a bad situation just because you're trying not to show them what we're doing. If they know what we're doing, that's fine. We just got to do it better than them. We got to cover better than them on this play because they know we're in man-to-man. We just got to execute better. We got to get pressure from our D-line. Somebody has to step up and help us out because they know what we're in, and they're going to try to come up with their best play to beat what we're in. It's just so fascinating learning all of this from a guy who's seen it at the highest level, who's done all of this with greats like Quandre Diggs in the locker room, greats like Darius Slay in the locker next to him. So, Glover, thank you so much. I, I look forward to hopefully continuing to do this, breaking down some some chalk talk, getting more in-depth. But based on of, of everything that we've learned today, everything that you've taught all of the listeners, what is kind of the biggest takeaway you want people want to leave people with or the key lesson to remember from today's chalk talk? Well, you know, we started from the basics. So understanding when you hear an announcer, a commentator, or you hear them talking about personnel, 10 personnel, 11 personnel, all those different things. Remember the first number you hear is the amount of running backs. The second number you hear is the amount of tight ends. They don't call a number for the wide receivers. There's only five guys. So if there's two running backs and one tight end, then there's two wide receivers. If they say 22, that means there's two running backs and two tight ends. So that means there's only one wide receiver, right? So understanding that part of it helps because then you understand base defense and nickel defense. If they got two running backs, you're probably going to be in some kind of base, right? If they got two tight ends, you're probably going to be in some kind of base. You're only going to really go to nickel when they got three wide receivers, and that's going to be one running back, right? Because even if they go 12 personnel, right, depending on who those guys are, because you can go Kansas City and go 12 personnel, right? 
They could put in another tight end to be a blocker, and Travis Kelsey is your slot wide receiver. Do you want your linebacker covering Travis Kelsey, or do you want your slot corner covering Travis Kelsey, right? So when you hear one running back in the game, depending on who those tight ends are, if it's 12 personnel, you may stay in base. Other than that, you're going to be in nickel because they're trying to pass the ball on you. So just understanding those things is is, is, is a great start to understanding and, and learning more about football, understanding personnel, and being able to anticipate, oh, they got four wide receivers. We should be in some kind of dime defense. Oh, well, we got this guy playing linebacker, so he generally covers that fourth guy because he's a versatile linebacker. So we don't have to go dime defense just because they put four wide receivers out there. We can stay in our nickel and be tough against the run and put the pressure on this linebacker who is versatile. And I think that's a great place to leave it off at. Just so much knowledge passed on. I feel like for all of us out there, you have possibly forgotten more about football than we could ever hope to know. And so just any little bits of information you can share goes a long way. Glover, thank you so much for breaking all of this down. You have any pluggables to plug after that final wrap up of everything that we've learned today? I feel like we're in school almost and I'm the, the assistant teacher telling everyone what we've done. And you know what? And that's how we should be looking at football right now. This is the off season. Yeah, I know there's storylines and there's people moving teams and drafts and all this, but the football fans, this is where you increase your knowledge of the game so that by the time the season starts, you understand it better. And the better you understand the game, the more enjoyable it is to watch. When you know what they're doing, when you know what they're talking about, it's more enjoyable to watch. So, yes. Take this time to learn more about the game. Like you said, I used to have a D, uh, a YouTube channel called the DB Room. Those videos are still on there. Those videos are still on there. I know I'm not actively making videos for that channel right now, but those videos are on there. Cover one, cover two, cover three, cover four. That stuff is on there. And people still watch them. I still get comments all the time, questions in my email all the time from people that still watch those videos. So go and check them out and, and, and take this time to increase your knowledge of the game so that by the time the season come around, you understand a little bit more. Go check out the DB room. Check out all of Glover's other socials while you're <laughs> at it. He's got a page for everything and every single one of them is absolutely <laughs> fantastic. I appreciate it, man. I, I do have a lot of pages. I can't lie to you. They're but it's fun. So good. It's they're fun. all they're all so good. They're all it's worth it. You gotta follow the entire suite of Glover Quinn. <laughs> yes, follow the entire suite. You can uh I kind of think I got links on all my on my regular page that so you can kind of get to all of them. I, th but, I think yeah. I'm pretty sure you do. I think I think I think that we were able to redirect from that main page. So make sure you follow along with Glover Quinn catch up on the DB room and you'll have a little bit more knowledge the next time we get together to discuss the lions and some football. But until then we will see you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.